You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information on Velvet Fest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by our new title partner, Vortex Optics. Go to their website, vortexoptics.com. Check out all the awesome gear that they have, right? They're an optics company, rifle scopes, red dots, binoculars, uh, spotting scopes. Um, I can't say enough good things about this company that's one of those companies that i really have been pursuing for a long time and finally uh, we hooked up and now they're the title uh, they're they're the title partner of this podcast so a uh, huge shout out to that company and uh, you're going to be hearing a lot more about vortex in the upcoming episodes now today's podcast we are going to be talking with micah Tom thompson micah thompson of texas and before you say oh shit another texas podcast we're not talking about texas hardly at all we get a little bit of an introduction about where he where he hunts in texas but He's making a change. He lost a piece of property on private ground, and that has now forced him to, if he wants to continue to hunt, to hunt public ground. So we talk about what he's going to do between now and the time that the season starts to prepare for this new public land way of life. And we're also going to talk about some of his out-of-state hunts that he has planned for this upcoming season to Minnesota, Missouri, and possibly Arizona. Uh, this is a really good uh, hunter profile podcast, I guess you could call it. Most of it is just us talking about him and BSing and hunting right so all these things that i love to talk about that's what today's podcast is about huge shout out to uh, mike for taking time to do this also real quick if you haven't seen the the uh, sportsman's nation film tradition it's badass you need to go check it out on the sportsman's nation youtube channel and other than that I think we're going to get right into the podcast, but before we do, I need to talk about uh, our our partner, Ozonics. And as you guys already know, I mean, you hear me talk about ozone technology quite a bit and the role that it plays in my hunting strategy, not only in the field, but at home as well. It's, it's kind of funny. I have, a, I have a toilet that doesn't flush sometimes down in the basement, and um, it's one of those me just being completely uh i guess i keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off and i think this story is actually a perfect example of how ozonics can benefit us in our hunting strategy right so i walk into the bathroom and it smells like piss so bad and i look in the toilet and i try to flush it and it doesn't flush but there's pee in it my kids have been using it and 
so it just stinks in there. So I fix the toilet, I flush it, I go get my Ozonics, and I run it for about, I shut the door, and I run it for about, mm, I want to say 20 minutes. I, I go do something else. I come back, and the odor is gone, right? The the smell of urine is gone. Uh, there's a little uh, leftover uh, ozone smell, and that right there, I feel, is how if you can relate that to how you use it in the field, it's awesome, right? You can um, you can use it in the dry wash bag. You can use it in, in while you're in the tree stand, and it basically just destroys all the negative odors. There is a little bit of the O3 odor left behind, but I don't think that the deer see that as a threat. And uh, so, yeah, I, I if you haven't had the opportunity to read up on Ozonics or... Um, see here or use their you know use their product read up on it visit their website ozonicshunting.com tons of great information on their website and you can purchase it if you do decide to purchase it use the discount code nfc18 when you purchase the hr300 or the hr230 and what that does that is going to give you a free dry wash bag with your purchase and that's done automatically also top secret stuff coming from Ozonics man there's going to be some uh, cool new products coming I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet I don't want to get in trouble but it, it is coming uh, and I'm going to have a ton of information on that alright I've done my commercials I've updated you I've told you what today's podcast is is going to be about the only thing I have to do now is share the podcast with you so I hopefully you guys enjoy another kick ass episode and uh, that starts right now all right, on the phone with me now, Micah Thompson. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I can't complain. I tell you what, it is not as hot uh, this week in Iowa as it was last week. It's still in the 80s, but there's there's very low humidity this week for some reason, and uh, that makes me very happy. Hey, there you go. We've got cooler temperatures, but a lot of rain. Yeah. So it's been low 90s, but very humid. So, so let's see, you're from Texas, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I don't know why, but every time I think of Texas, I feel like really arid and dry, but I guess that's only for certain parts of the state. Um, are you guys getting more rain than normal? Yes. Um, a lot more rain than normal. The, it's been a very wet, like late winter spring and now into summer we have had a ton of rain right and uh in the past have you like ran into a lot of drought conditions wasn't it a drought type season last year in texas or am i mistaken well last year was actually we had a pretty good amount of rain too um so everything was still really green when the season came in um the past two years we've had a lot of rain um before that i think it was Three or four summers ago, we had 100 days in a row of 100-plus degree weather with, like, hardly any rain. Gotcha. So, it's hit or miss. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, let's kick this podcast off then. We already talked about you're from Texas. What part of Texas are you from, and then what do you do for a living? Yeah. Um, I live in what you would call, like, central Texas, like the hill country. Um and Belton, um, and about hour north of Austin. Um, and I am a superintendent for a custom home builder. Oh, nice. Okay. What I do. So I kind of make sure mainly like scheduling stuff with all the contractors, making sure everything's getting done on time within budget. Yeah. Meet, meeting with the clients, all that good stuff. So when something is not or on time and not within budget, you're the guy who gets his butt chewed? Yeah. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, but yeah, there, you know, it has its moments. Yeah. I, so. hear you. I talked with, a uh, actually the guy who lives across the street from me does what you do, right? He's basically a superintendent for, uh, I think he is more along the lines of commercial, but he's in charge of making sure all the, you know, he, he runs the budget, he runs the, you know, the organization and the scheduling and, you know, so if the, like you said, 
it's wet here in Iowa this spring. So that's delayed absolutely everything as far as pouring foundations. And then once, you know, and then it just snowballs from there because if the, if the, if the foundation is behind, then the, you know, the framing is behind. And if it rains, you can't, you know, or a lightning storm comes through, you can't frame in that. So that puts more days on it. So next, next thing you know, you're like three weeks behind schedule. And now all of a sudden the guy who wants the building done is, is PO'd. Yeah, it, it can be tough. Yep. Especially with all the rain we've had it, it'll slow it down in a hurry. Yeah. All right. So let's see here, Texas, uh, central Texas. Um, what's, uh, you said hill country and we've talked a lot about Texas in, I guess it would be the past couple months just because of my trip to Texas, uh, hunting exotics there. But, uh, what's, what's the area that you live in? Like, is there a lot of high fence operations there? Is it more low fence? Is there any public ground? Um, man, there's high fence all over Texas. Um, you know, and it's, I've never hunted. Um, I would say whitetail. I've done like a ram hunt before for free. Um, but that's been the only time, but really, I mean, for the most part, it's, it's low fence. Um, and the hill country is more like rolling hills, um, with a lot of like cedar thickets, uh, you know, oak bottoms, you know, creeks. And it's really, it's really probably the prettiest part of Texas. Um, you know, it's not like the scrub brush of South Texas. It's not the desert like the West Texas, but it's got, you know, good elevation change. Um, and, a lot of good cover so it's not like most people would think it's more of like oh man i don't know almost like is there a a lot of egg yeah i mean there's there is in certain parts um like there's a lot of corn um and wheat but there's not like a ton of egg um further north there is but where i'm at there's not a whole lot of it so is it mostly just like cattle operations (laughs) and farming like that yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of cattle. Um, and then you, you mentioned public land. There is some public land, actually. Um, there's um, some about 30 minutes from me that um, this will be my first year trying that out. So okay, I'm excited. I'm excited to give that a shot. Gotcha. So why, how many years have you been hunting, give or take? Um, I started hunting with my grandpa when I was eight. Um, I'm 25 now. Gotcha. Um, and then I started bow hunting when I was about like 12 or 13. Okay. So you've been doing it for a while. It sounds like you've, um, your grandpa kind of took you under his wing and kind of showed you the ropes. Yep. Exactly. Gotcha. You're, uh, you come from a hunting family or just your grandpa? Um, well, my dad grew up in Fort Worth, so he's not exactly, like the outdoorsman type um he's he's recently gotten like he likes to do like adventure stuff like kayaking and whatnot but he's just not a hunter um but then my mom's from a very small town where i do deer hunt currently um and so her side is big into hunting Um, so my grandpa got me into it when i was eight um and then man Ever since then, I was pretty much hooked. Yeah, gotcha. So, so you mentioned you mentioned that this upcoming year is going to be the first year that you're going to try and tackle some Texas public land hunting. What has yep. made what's made you? No, first question actually is, what have you been hunting before that? All private ground. Yeah, private ground. Um, I've got I've got a good bit of land that I can hunt on. Um, my grandma owns some land um, where she lives. That's about 30 minutes from me where I grew up. Um, and it's about a hundred acres, but it's, it's, it's not really like, Oh gosh, it's like wide open ground. So it's, you know, there's a few deer there, but nothing, nothing that you can really, it doesn't hold deer. Um, and then the area that I've always hunted on, it's about 500 acres. Um, and it's been just like family access from a, my grandpa's best friend. 
but that has recently been this will be my first year not hunting out there since i was eight so why is that that's kind of why well my grandpa passed away in december and then after that his best friend is now in really bad health and so basically the family's just kind of been like hey we're not letting anybody hunt out here this year so just kind of lost access to it oh that sucks did they give a reason for that so well i think just the 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 guy that's taking the landowners just not like he's gonna build a house out there and i guess just doesn't really want anybody running around out there oh man that's for the most part so so but i've got i've got a little bit other land to hunt on um my wife's family she's got um that you know they've got a little lease that i can i can hunt on when we're down visiting um but like as far as here local i'm gonna i'm gonna give the public land a shot as pretty much my main my main place to hunt this year gotcha so it sounds to me like that is that's your transition into public land is because you lost your best piece yeah pretty much gotcha pretty much hey man i tell you what that's what a lot of people are doing and that's why public land hunting is the the big buzzword right now i mean i it is if it wasn't for me going and knocking on doors and gaining permission i would be a public land hunter as well because uh, i mean firsthand just like what you've done you know the main farm that i hunted back in the day where i cut my teeth on that was i want to say 800 acres of awesome iowa you know ground and it was my one of my best friends grandpa's that that was my foot in the door i hunted there for man six years and then six maybe even seven years i don't i don't know maybe less i i can't remember anyway then he passed away then the family sold the farm and that means i can't hunt there anymore because it was purchased by all out-of-staters, like one guy from Connecticut, I think, and one guy from Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, the two different parts of it. So I had an option. I had to go knock on doors or I had to go hunt public. So I chose to go knock on doors, um, and it happens. And uh, there, you know, there you go. So it's I, you know this is cool because I have a feeling uh, that you're going to learn a com- whole bunch of stuff within this next season right yeah i'm hoping to i mean like the public land's interesting because it's it's on a military base okay so it's broken up into zones so it's got like guided zones like where they actually like have a stand and a feeder like already set up and they drive you out to the stand drop you off they come pick you up at like 10 o'clock and then there's like the unguided like actual diy you know, true public land and you can set a feeder up and you can, and all that stuff just like you would anywhere else. But that's, you know, who's to say that you, you won't walk up one evening and someone's sitting in your spot, you know? Um, so I'm going to try to do a little bit more of the running gun type with the sticks and the, and the hang on. Um, it's kind of going to be my approach because down here in Texas, very very few people do that so yeah i think i think if i can figure it out and kind of get away from the people and and get into some areas where no one's hunting and have a feeder set up i think i can hopefully get into some good deer because there are there's some big deer killed up there every year in the you know 150s and 160s so there's no reason not to right so let me ask you this okay it's on a big military base, right? Right. Okay. And you are allowed to bait in, you know, during your setups, right? You can put a feeder in and all that stuff, but that feeder is not yours. Once you put it out there, it becomes anybody, anybody can hunt over top of it because it's public ground, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, you know, there's always like the common courtesy, you know, but that won't stop everybody. So, right. but yeah, technically that is public access. They can hunt your stuff if they want to. So. Gotcha. so have you put any thought process in on here? It is July. 
what are you doing now to get ready for this upcoming season on this public land? Have you done any scouting? Have you looked at maps? Yeah, um, I've been on Onyx looking at looking at from that point. Um, so how the permits work is it starts over like uh, August 1st, and it's like 125 bucks for the, the whole year. Um, so I'm going to – I'm not going to go spend 125 bucks to access it you know, for a month. So I'm going to go get my, go get my permit August 1st and just get as many miles on the boots as I can. Um, That's the plan. So, So, but I've been, I've got some good, you know, ideas because I forgot to mention this earlier. There are bow only zones. So I'm definitely going to stick to those. Um, And then just, just try to find out like, okay, there's a guy set up over here. Let me go look over here and just try to get away from everybody. Gotcha. It's going to be my approach. Okay. So how big is this area? Oh man, I couldn't even tell you. So like the whole military base is like 300,000 acres, but the actual areas you can hunt on, I don't know. I mean, gosh, a bunch. I mean, thousands of acres. Thousands. Okay. Um, and then they do like this weird, like they'll shut off certain zones because they'll have like combat training and stuff. So you like can't go in this certain zone for two weeks. Gotcha. And if your stuff's set up in that zone, you know, your feeder or whatever, you can't hunt it until yeah. that, you know, they're out of there. So they close stuff off and whatnot. So I'm trying to kind of, that's also why I kind of want to stay mobile so I can still hunt and get in and around that stuff okay but you can't get on that property until august 1st correct yeah unless i want to go spend 125 bucks for okay. Uh, what it's okay a little three weeks <laughs> yeah i got you. but yeah I, I mean i basically found out in june that I'm like okay the land i was hunting is a no-go and so that's when i kind of started looking at options like okay can't afford a lease um and then the closest ground I have to hunt after that is my grandma's, which has very little deer. And then my wife's family, which is like two and a half hours away. So I was just trying to find something closer. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so you got to wait till August 1st and then you buy your permit to get in. How much scouting time do you have between August 1st and then the time that the season starts? Like two months. Two months. Okay. So yeah, you're in like October first. September, 1st. like yeah, like September twenty eighth. Okay. Like that that Saturday. So like last I think it's I think it's September twenty eighth or twenty ninth this year. Um it's that Saturday at the end of September, first of October. Gotcha. All right, cool. All right. So with that said, then what is, what are you going to do on August first? the first time that you get in on this property? Well, there's, I've gotten some tips from some guys on like what zones are kind of like that have hunted out there where they've had, I guess, success. Um, so I've got it narrowed down to like three or four different zones. Um, so basically I'm just going to go start checking them out, um, you know, by, by those zones and see see which piece looks the best um and less crowded at that time um and just try to get some ideas going um and then i also have a buddy that has land that backs up to it so i can access it through his land so i'm hoping i can maybe get to some areas that other guys can't really get to easily gotcha okay so you've kind of you're kind of doing some digital scouting right now Then you're going to go verify those locations once you have the ability to put the boots on the ground. Right. Like right now I'm basically treating it almost as an out of state type of hunt until I can access it. Um, you know, and then once I do, I'm just going to be out there as much as I can. Yeah. Okay. All right. So are you going to be putting up trail cameras? Are you going to be hanging some sets while you're in there? Or are you going to just go in there raw and just run and gun the whole season? 
Um, no, I'm going to put up some cameras. Um, so, I mean, and I'll, I'll probably have at least, you know, at least one set up on a feeder just to kind of get an idea. And if also I have some buddies that have expressed interest in it so they could, you know, we could all kind of hunt the same little area. Um, so I'll have a camera on that. And then, and then and I'm planning on, you know, if I, if I find a good pinch point or funnel or anything like that to kind of set, set a camera up on that, um, just to try to catch some deer in daylight. Um, cause that's the thing there from what I've been told and have read and everything, the deer very, or the big deer are fairly nocturnal out there just from the pressure. So that's, I'm going to use the cameras as far as that goes to try to maybe locate some deer that are not nocturnal, but for the most part, I'm just going to try to, yeah, stay mobile as possible. Gotcha. Um, so when you go out there, what are you going to be looking for? Is there anything specific that you're going to be looking for? Rub scrapes, bedding areas, whatever. Sure. I mean, at that time of the year, you know, I don't think the, the scrapes are quite hitting yet. Maybe, maybe the next couple of weeks. So I'll definitely be looking for that. Um, like mid August, maybe do a mock scrape and put a camera up. If I find a, you know, an area that looks like it has a lot of deer sign, um, you know, heavy use trails, saddles, you know, kind of the, the same stuff you would look for in the Midwest, you know, if you're not hunting over a food source. Um, and there's not really any like ag on this place. Um, so, you know, looking for, uh, acorns and that kind of thing too. Some, maybe some low Creek crossings, just the, the normal stuff that, you know, a non bait hunter, I guess you could say would look for, um, you know, and trying to set up on a deer. Gotcha. Are you going to be looking for any feeder sites like guys going in and then, you know, yeah, try, sure. to, try to flank them? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try to get as far away as possible. You know, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet. Um, but that's the idea is to kind of, you know, use them to my advantage maybe um and just kind of get remote um and you know sit all day if you have to and move around and so um, i may do some you know steel type hunting on the ground and just kind of right see how it goes gotcha gotcha when does the rut typically kick off in that part of texas um i would normally say it's like the late part of October um, is when it normally hits pretty good. Um, it's a little bit earlier than, you know, like your typical Midwestern states. Um, I would say like, you know, the pre-rut is probably like that third week of October and then the last week of October and then into the first part of November is like the best prime time. Yeah. Okay. So it's a little bit sooner, a little bit sooner than the, you know, the Midwest and then gosh, South Texas, I think they're like January ruts. Right. But so you feel that like the last week of October into the first week of November is like some of the best of the year. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, you'll see, I'll see, uh, deer chasing does you know second week of october sometimes and then i feel like in our area and from talking to my buddies and family that we kind of have that almost that second rut as well like yeah. in the later part of november because you'll you know you'll be sitting in the stand you know november 21st and you look out and there's a deer you know about chasing a doe yeah. and so I, I i feel like we do have a pretty good like that little second rut phase. Yeah. Hey man, I talked to a guy, I think, it, I think he was living in Mississippi and he lives, God, in, in the central part of Mississippi, he hunts a regular rut, like the regular, you know, first, second week of November rut. And then I think he drives south an hour or two 
and hunts the rut all over again in two weeks later. So like the last week of November, first week of December. And so imagine like, imagine being able to do that within an hour drive of yourself, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, (laughs) you can do that in Texas, but you're going to have to drive like eight hours from where I am. And you know, they're rutting like late January, early February sometimes Yeah, down there. So what's your expectations going into this, this hunt? Honestly, um, for the public ground, I'm, I'm just looking to, I'm just looking to kill a good deer. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to shoot a, you know, a yearling, but I'm also not going to hold out for a, you know, maybe like what I would hold out for on some private ground, you know, if a a good three-year-old walks out and it makes me get excited, man, I'm going to shoot it. You know, it's, it's public land and everybody out here says it's a waste of time and blah, 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 get on a lease. And so, you know, that part of me alone just says, man, if you get a good opportunity to buck that makes you excited, man, let it eat. You know, I'm not, I'm not out here trying to manage the herd exactly you know it's you can't i don't think you can really do that on public land but you know that's kind of my main my main goal um and then also just get some experience under my belt with the hunting the public land and being more mobile and and learning how deer move throughout some different terrain features and and that kind of thing versus sitting over a feeder the same feeder every time you go out the whole season you know so that's what a lot of guys do (laughs) oh yeah i believe it um it's it's funny like a a lot of people down south or any state that allows bait or feeders you know they they sit there and, and or not necessarily directly over the bait but you know the 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 feeder influences the deer movement to where they are either flanking it off a ways, not necessarily hunting directly over it, or they're hunting directly over it, right? And, you know, I think this is going to be awesome for you because you're going to be able to, it's almost it's almost like you're not going to be hunting in Texas, if that makes sense, just from a, a stereotype perspective. Right, right. And yeah. it's more of a, a tactic type yeah. strategy. Yep, I agree. I'm, and that's kind of the reason why it does have me excited because I've never hunted anywhere else but, you know, <laughs> the same few pieces of ground. So that's also another piece of the puzzle, too, is just being on new ground and checking it out. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right, so with this change in property and change in strategy, also I'm guessing requires a change in hunting gear. Have you, you know, you're you're saying you want to become more mobile. Have you changed your tree stand? Have you changed, I don't know, any of your hunting gear so far that is so that you can accommodate this new way you're going to be hunting? Um, well, yeah, a few things, not too terribly much. Um, I'm still going to use my same hang on for my mobile setup. Um, it's a, a very small, compact one. And then I did get some lighter climbing sticks with like the like the three sections type style yep. where you can, instead of like, you know, the one that all attaches together and it goes straight up a straight tree. Um, so I've got a really light set of sticks and my hang-on. And then I got uh, a new pack that can carry my bow, you know, if I'm going in a good ways. Um, and then, I mean, that's really all I've really changed. Um, and then probably on like my feeder setup that I'll have, um, I'll probably have a ground blind on that one. Just, gotcha. just to, just to maybe have somewhere to go if I'm, if I don't have a lot of time or if it's really bad weather or something like that. So you are going to go and put a feeder up somewhere on that, on that ground. Yeah, I'll okay. have I'll have a feeder set up still as well. Um because there are a lot of pigs too and and pigs are fun to shoot and they like corn. So and there's a lot of them. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, let me ask you this. 
Um, with 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 you hunting on a feeder as well, are you? Do you think you're gonna fall back into your traditional way of hunting when you get tired and you get frustrated and you're just like, oh man, I, I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna sit in the blind tonight because I don't really want to do a running gun setup. Well, I'm hoping not. Okay. <laughs> I haven't thought about. I haven't thought about that yet. But I mean, it's mainly gonna be for. I mean. I kind of say that, but it, I want it to mainly be for a place that I can maybe take a buddy or, you know, if I do have a, a deer start showing up on camera, that's in the daylight, you know, then right. yeah, go hunt it. But for the most part, I'm just going to let it sit, um, for as much as I can. And, gotcha. you know, until I, maybe I do have a big deer coming in, um, or if I want to go out for a quick hunt and I don't have time to maybe get back to a spot you know, and I can run out there real quick and get a sit in right. or something like that. But I'm, I'm really going to try to be on more of the mobile side and gotcha. getting in those hard to reach places. Gotcha. All right. So this is a question that I forgot to ask earlier. Is this a, a lottery or a draw type hunt that you had to put in or pass a test or sign up or register for, or is this just a knock on the uh, military base door and say, I'm here to hunt and they let you in. Um, so there's a, like, like I said earlier, you have to buy a permit. So you go to like the sportsman club or whatever on base, you, you buy the permit. You have to, I'm sure you have to pass some kind of background check. I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, and then you do have to register your bow. Um, you have to shoot like 20 and 30 yards to like prove you can make an ethical kill. Um, they register your bow and then, or gun, you know, whatever you may be hunting with. Um, and then the, like the DIY areas is like, I mean, it's all on you. You know, you go, you hunt whenever you want to, but there are some like lottery style hunting. Um, and like the, like I mentioned earlier, like the guided hunts. Um, but most of those are gun hunts. Um, and basically they just have guides that work for them and you, you sign up, I think the, the night before or the morning of you just like show up at the place and it's like first come first serve. And so if you're the fourth one there, you're, you get the fourth pick on what stand you want to hunt. And then you ride out there with a guide they drop you off and they come pick you up later. Um, and then, but I don't plan on doing much of that, if any. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So, man, I'm, I'm excited for you. I, I, I love hearing when guys are going to go try something way different than what they're really used to. It's almost like when I go out West to hunt elk, um, I got a mule deer hunt that's going to be spot and stock this year as well. And I have no idea how it, you know, I've been on the elk hunt last year, but still it's so new to me that every step I take in that whole experience is a learning experience. You know what I mean? So yep, yep. man, I, first off, before we even go to the next, uh, you know, the next part of this podcast, I'm going to, I, w- I definitely want to get you back on to see how that, you know, how this uh, hunt goes because man, I, I, number one, I hope you succeed. And number two, I want to know, I want to know what you've learned. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm nervous because like, like you said, it's a whole different style of hunting. I would say like 95% of guys in Texas sit in a box line with the feeder yeah. 80 to hundred yards away and, you know, shoot them with a gun. But so, uh, yeah, this is definitely out of the norm for down here, but you know, I kind of want to just try it out. So, cause then if you ever do go, you know, out of state, um, on a, you know, Midwest hunt or something like that, you know, you can take you at least, I would at least have a little bit of experience, you know, under my belt, as far as that goes of the same style of hunting. So that could potentially help me on those hunts as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck on this, man. Uh, I hope uh, I hope it all pays off. Okay, but appreciate it. But this isn't your only kind of adventure for the year because it sounds to me like you might be going out of state on some hunts as well. 
Um, yes, they are in the making. Um, I'm definitely doing one. I haven't for sure picked which one I'm doing. Um, I'm going to try to swing two of them. So it would either be a Minnesota, like rut hunt. Um, one of my good buddies has some several pieces of private ground. Um, and then I've talked to another buddy that does public land in Missouri. Um, and I might try to swing that on like the same trip, like on my way to or from. And then my best friend lives in Arizona and he is all about mule deer. Um, so he's been trying to get me to come out there for a few years now. Um, so that would either be like last week of December or first week of January when the, that's like their, their rut out there in the desert. Um, so those are the three options. Gotcha. All right. So Minnesota, is that a over the counter tag? Yes. And, and all these are going to yeah, be bow hunts. Yes. They're all bow hunts over the counter. Gotcha. Okay. So oh, over the counter in Minnesota, over the counter in Missouri, and then over the counter in, um, Arizona for mule deer though. What, um, what part of Missouri and what part of Minnesota? Oh man. I think Missouri is going to be more of the Northern part. Um, and then Minnesota, I think it's like Southeastern part. Um, and then Arizona is going to be like the far, like Western, almost to California. Um, more of like in the desert. It's going to be in the desert part. So a lot of people don't know that Arizona has a lot of forest in the North, but this is more of a desert hunt. Gotcha. That one would be, that'd be awesome hunt. Have you ever uh, done uh, a mule deer hunt before? No, 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 never. I've done one sort of Western hunt. um, When I went on that Ram hunt in West Texas, Um, it was all spot and stalk. Um, so same, same type of hunting, but it was still in Texas. Gotcha. Now, if you could do only, if you could pick one of those to go on just this upcoming year, which one, you know, obviously it'd be awesome to go on all three, but if you could only pick one, which one would it be? (sighs) Probably, probably the Minnesota one. Um, just because like, I love whitetail. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, my thing, um, which I've never experienced mule deer, elk or anything like that. But, um, probably the Minnesota one, because it being my first out of state hunt, it's probably got the highest odds because my buddy knows the land really well, you know, so it would almost be like going to an outfitter. Um, and then, you know, he's got, he's already has his sets all hung, um, and all that kind of thing. Um, and the cost of it is probably the cheapest. Um, you know, we'd be splitting. He also lives in Texas, so we'd be splitting gas and that kind of thing. And so we would stay for free. They have a little cabin up there, so that's probably my first choice. Um, just the the ease of it um, and the price of it and everything for, like, my first out-of-state trip, that would probably be it. Um, so... Gotcha. So then is that Arizona hunt kind of a, um, if it happens, it happens if, you know, I'm not going to push for it, but you know, it sounds like that takes the back seat. Yeah. Just by, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's going to be mainly because of like, just a lot more goes into it because it is a Western hunt and it is more expensive to get out there and, the tags and the license are more expensive for a non-resident and, and all that stuff. Um, so that's probably why, um, but I would really like to swing it. So I'm going to try. Gotcha. Man, that sounds fun. Like I, uh, I'm going up to South Dakota for my mule deer hunt. Uh, but Western Arizona, uh, des- those desert hunts kind of intrigue me because every year I, now I don't know if, if these bucks are killed off private ranches or on public ground, but it's like some of these desert mule deer get huge. Yeah, they can get big. I mean, 
Arizona's got, I don't know, I'm not super familiar with everything with Arizona, but I know they've got, you know, obviously like over the counter and then they've got like draw hunts and everything else, like, like a lot of Western states. But yeah, some of those like Arizona strip tags up on the Utah border, I mean, they're killing well over 200 inch mule deer up there. Yeah. Every year. Um, yeah. Every year. My yeah. buddy actually drew a strip tag. Um, the one that lives out there this past year, rifle hunt, and he killed a monster. So yeah. that's like a once in a lifetime, maybe twice in a lifetime tag. Yeah. So, so you they can get big. You don't have to do any preference points, right? You said that was an OCT tag. Yeah. O- OTC. Yeah. Over the counter. Yeah. It's, it's completely over the counter. So, and he works on the border patrol so he can, He's basically scouting <laughs> all year long. <laughs> yes. So, I love it. When, like, hey, yeah. I love it when you get, you get a couple spotted. Yeah. You got, you know, you got, uh, jobs like that, right? I got a buddy who he is, uh, he works in the oil industry. So what does he do when he's working out there in the field? He's yep. looking for, he's, you know, scouting, you know, your buddy, he's out there keeping our border safe and he's scouting of course. So, yep. man, that's awesome. That's all. And plus he, he kicks back some of that information to you, man. That's awesome. Yep. So that's kind of what we're, we're going for. So, I mean, he keeps inviting me, so it's not like I'm, um, you know, taking advantage of him. So he's, he's got them spotted every year. So how far from the border, uh, would you be hunting right on it? It's pretty, no, where we would be hunting is a little bit like, North and south wise, it's almost in the middle, oh, okay. um, but like closer to California. So, um, in that kind of area, um, yeah. and then, uh, and then he's he's got a lot of like good coos deer spots though down by the border. So oh, cool. the tag is good for either or. So we may just see whatever he's whatever he has, you know, scouted up the best you know, we may just go after one or the other. So yeah, man, that's awesome. Up to, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. That sounds like, uh, you have, uh, you have a, a, a lot on your plate potentially this upcoming year. Well, that's if the, you know, the wife will, will approve. So oh, that's the, boy. That's, that's the battle, man. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. I, uh, I got suckered into taking my wife to, uh, the first week in August, taking her to Nashville, Tennessee. It may be the first week. I don't know. Anyway, she's got it all planned. That'll be fun. So she's like, well, you're going on all these hunting trips this year. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's because my company is now paying for them and this and this and this. And she's like, well, is that really fair? So she, so it's like just (laughs) to avoid an argument. I'm taking her to, uh, hey. but, but that means I get to go on my hunting trips and I guess that's, you got to do what you got to do. You got to have compromises, man. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Hey, I've heard there's good urban hunting in Tennessee. So you could maybe do some scouting while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a potential. I, you know, all these big cities in any state that has whitetail in them, you know, there's guys doing it down in Atlanta. There's guys doing it up in Maryland, killing these giant urban bucks that basically yep. don't go hunted because the people who live there don't hunt, right? And right, uh, yeah, it's an, always an option. Yeah, there's there's a neighborhood down here, man, and we built some houses in that <laughs> I'm driving within 20 feet of a. 140 150 inch deer and they're just looking at you yeah but it there's no hunting in there <laughs> yeah. man where was i at? i was in pennsylvania at valley forge um that's like where i think general george washington had uh like had his uh troops during like the revolutionary war and hmm. i think you know somewhere over there and so we drive through this park and there's like a 160 inch 10 pointer just sitting under a tree in full velvet when we were there. And I'm like, are, oh, you, man. are you kidding me? And so I asked the guy, is this, uh, can, can people bow hunt in this park? Because there's deer all over the place. And they're like, nope, nobody hunts here. Nothing like that. It's a, you know, it's a historical landmark, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, holy cow. 
it'd almost be worth running into a place like that, scaring them out into a place that you could hunt them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then there, someone would probably call you in and you'd get in trouble for that too. To like a little, little deer drive. That's right. That's right. Right across. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how jacked are you right now for this upcoming season, knowing that you still have a lot of work to do? I mean, man, it's, I stay at a 10, so I'm <clears throat> super pumped. So for whatever type of funny it is, man. So super excited. I hope, I hope I learn a lot this year. Um, obviously I hope I can be successful. Um, but just, I just like being out there. So yeah, a lot of opportunity in Texas with, with everything there, all the, all the land and then all the critters. So yeah, I mean, Absolutely. it's fun. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on the podcast and chat with me today. Uh, good luck on that public ground. Uh, good luck on your on your out-of-state hunts. I can hear my wife yelling at my kids. So that is the sound <laughs> of the end of a podcast. And uh, I really appreciate it. And good luck, man. Follow up with me. Yeah, sure will, bud. I appreciate it. As always, man, huge shout out to Micah, huge shout out to everybody for listening, huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Wasp, Ozonics, Prime, and of course our new partner, Vortex Optics. Uh, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because without their support, this isn't happening. So uh, also be on the lookout for a new podcast called the hunting gear podcast hint hint it's going to be badass and uh the name implies exactly what we're going to be talking about and that's hunting gear and equipment so if you're a gear nut you're going to love this podcast or if you're just want information on what you should do or what you should buy or hunting gear in general this is going to be an awesome podcast uh, to, to be listening to other than that uh, make sure you're following us on social media instagram uh, not only on the sportsman's nation and nine fingers but uh, also uh, let's see instagram facebook and all the other uh, partners of the podcast as well like uh, you know like southern ground hybrid outdoors uh, sun outdoors backcountry rookies transition wild uh, freshwater bite southern ground lane and legacy nine finger chronicles diy sportsman uh, pro talk outdoors uh, i know i'm missing one but anyway you get the idea right go to sportsmansnation.com check out all the information that we have there because we have a ton of great content there as well and last but not least if you're going to be in a tree please wear your damn safety harness have a good rest of the week